Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael. We return to Paris and the Horror on the Orient Express campaign, and we have such sights to show you tonight. So we'll start with introductions. To my right. Hello, I'm Mike, and I play James Robert Fraser. And to Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, I'm Rena, and I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy. At the end of the table. Hi, I'm Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith. To Mr. Griffith's right. Hi, I'm Miranda, and I'm playing Maggie Bellinger. And last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. Wonderful. When we last left our Parisian investigators, as they are uh, just enjoying their wonderful and calm time in Paris, we left two of them, Mr. Fraser and uh, Mr. Griffith, uh, kind of in the after echoes of an unfortunate end to uh, an investigation. Uh, a Mr. Laverge had been grievously wounded by Mr. Griffith when the uh, revolutionary tried to pull a gun on Mr. Fraser in his uh, flat, and they'd hustled the injured man off to a local doctor after which uh, Mr. Griffith had made a call and uh, a strange fellow arrived and said that he would take care of everything. So the two of them left there to get cleaned up and then decided that it would be best to maybe get something to eat quickly before they headed back over to Miss Cavallero's uh, family home and explain what happened. Uh, And so we'll lift the curtain with them as they approach the Parisian residence of Miss Cavalera. So it's gotten a bit later in the afternoon now. Uh, It is climbing very close to evening. And the estate here, or the estate's an improper word, I suppose. I would say that the row of houses here that Cavaleros live in, at least this section of the family, they uh, are out about on their, as many Parisians are, on their patios, They have uh, small uh, cafe tables set outside where it looks like family members are enjoying some peace and relative quiet, even though it is a bit chilly out. Uh, There is a uh, wide selection. What looks looks like wine bottles are out. Maybe this is a, uh, some sort of a, maybe it parties the wrong word, but they're having, they're definitely having an event of some sort as the two of you approach. You'd had a chance to clean up and you had a chance to eat, which is good because well, uh, Mr. Fraser, you just couldn't go out possibly with the whatever was left on your clothes. No, absolutely not. Most unbecoming. You see the singer there, Miss Cavallero, is enjoying the time she's had. It looks like she's, has, she's had a glass of wine and uh, she's talking with uh, some of the members of her family. They seem in relatively good spirits. Well, Mr. Griffith, uh, shall we? You do the talking, Jim. Uh, just, uh, just before we go up, um, it seems that uh, I owe you uh, a debt of gratitude, Mister Griffith. Uh, if it wasn't for your keen eye and spotting that Laverge had still had that wee pop gun in his hand and your fast reflexes dealing with it, the situation might have had a very different outcome. Don't say nothing about it. Besides, I don't want to have to take over as a manservant to Lady E. <laughs> Personal assistant. Personal assistant. No, uh, it seems uh, it seems I'm a little more rusty than uh, than uh, I had uh, I had anticipated. Um, and uh, I, well, as I say, I owe you owe you my thanks. But uh, it does uh, it does bring me on to another wee matter that I would like to discuss with you, Mister Griffith. Uh, or I'm wondering if I should 
I should perhaps refer you to to you by your your rank. A rank. Well, unless I'm I'm very much mistaken, you're you're not merely a, a, a miner from the uh, the Appalachians, is it? Your swift and uh, brutally efficient response to the threat that Laverge posed, uh, you showed that much to be the case. Uh, and the fact that you seem to have contacts both here and in London upon whom you can call to clean up this kind of a mess at a moment's notice. Would I be perhaps correct in thinking that during the war you served with military intelligence? Um. Not really at liberty to say. I was with a Sapa division, and I was a scout. You remember the scouts, don't you? Uh, I well, uh, I had occasion to run across them from time to time, but uh, I was uh, I was rather preoccupied with my own particular training. Well, the the scouts, we were the ones who had to go and pick up a German or two and bring him back for questioning. Ah, aye, aye. I see where you're, see where you're heading with this. Uh, it does seem, though, that you still, you still have these, these contacts. Um, are you still acting in that capacity, sir? I can neither confirm nor deny that, sir. I see, well. Circumspection is perhaps, uh, Perhaps the best way, but I do think that if we're going to be working together on this wee treasure hunt across Europe, that you know we should really talk about laying our cards on the table, so to speak. We need to know of each other, I believe, what we're capable of and uh, where our specific uh, training and uh, what should I say now, uh, our, our, our specialities lie. Well, sir, I am a miner. Well, I doubt we'll be doing a great deal of mining on this particular trip, sir. I'm very comfortable underground. I also am very familiar with open up new passages. Oh, well, perhaps that will be... Well, let's let's just see where the road takes us, shall we? But um... And my military skills involved me having to go into enemy lines... And request a few of the enemies to attend our meetings. <laughs> Aye, well, I, yes, I think I know what you're driving at. I myself uh, spent some time behind behind enemy lines. So, uh, well, as I say, it was it was a wee while ago now. Perhaps our uh, our training and uh, our experience will be called upon at some point during this trip and uh, I'm glad to know that uh, judging from uh, our experience today I'm, I'm very glad to know that uh, you have my back and I can tell you uh, that this goes both ways should you require uh, my assistance then uh, I'll be right there sir. from what I'm figuring with your skills and my skills we are we are going to be serving the role of the fist in the glove, correct, sir? Well, I rather more see myself as being the the scalpel in the surgeon's hands, but uh, I, I... I say that because Lady E and Miss Maggie are skilled with getting information, but if they ask us to, we can get information another way, and we're the only two in the in our party who can do that, because the professor... Well, I... Uh, yes, he's yeah. uh, he's not exactly what one might call a, a man of action, is he? That's that's one way of putting it. No, uh, I think that. Well, well, let, let's let's not beat around the bush, sir. You and I have both served. We've both seen action. We've both been in situations where, not to put too fine a point on it, it's kill or be killed. And I think uh, if if there's any credence in any of this tale of of, of the the wee item that we're, we're looking for or, or the different composite parts of the item then and certainly based on, on some of the events that we've seen back in England those particular skills may well be called upon I will lay one card clearly on the table for you my role currently 
is to make sure whatever this device is, and whatever may happen from it, does not fall into the hands of the fascists. I hate them fuckers. Well, you're not alone in that respect. My primary objective is to, to safeguard her ladyship. To ensure that uh, her enthusiasm, uh, her uh, researches, do not take her down paths and into places where where it's dangerous for her. Or if it is, at least I may afford some protection for her. As you say, um, they do have uh, the skills and the experience and the, uh, the particular leaning towards that kind of thing. Now that's not for me, but certainly uh, if, if you're going to be asking questions in salubrious circumstances and places then it's always good to have a strong hand by your side if uh, things get if things get tricky correct and it's good that there's two of us because I wouldn't like to go into some of these places by myself indeed yes and I think uh, with the temperament of uh, of not only her ladyship but also Miss Bellinger and Professor Courtney I think uh, two of us uh, well I hope two of us will be enough I have a feeling we'll be cleaning up a few messes before this is all done. Anyway, um, I've said what I wanted to say. Uh, I, let's go and speak to uh, to Miss Cavallero. I must say, she looks so full of poise and grace there. I, I, I'm almost, almost hate to disturb her, but... Uh, you take care of this, son, and I'll go ahead and I'll just hang back and be quiet. Well, this, this is all you, sir. Very well, very well. Thank you, thank you. Hopefully I'll not be too tongue-tied. Okay. You uh, step forward off the uh, the section of the, the, the street that you were, uh, the two of you had kind of stepped back from and, and waited. You step forward onto the the path there, which leads you to the, the property. Miss Cavalero notices you, and she turns, and almost a pat of, of, of terror grips your heart for just a moment because she's... You realize that she's noticed you uh, from the other night. And she it just raises a hand as if to, to signal you forward. Kind of nod and, and smile a little. My palms are slightly sweaty <laughs> with nervousness. Um, make my way over, over towards her. Miss Cavallero. Uh, yes, uh, Monsieur Fraser, yes? Fraser, that's right. Yes, yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Mm. Might I have a moment of your time? Oh, of course. You can see that there are two or three other, probably either uh, extended family or friends that are around that she kind of just gives a quick word to and, and, and assures them. Um, she turns back to you and says, ignore their glances. They're, uh, they're used to fans and, and autograph seekers. This, this is um, pertaining to the matter we were discussing before. Mm. Um, yeah, can I speak freely? She takes two more steps away from the group of people there outside the house. and You guys are almost in this. Um, this is probably a good three, four paces from anybody else there. Uh, yes, uh, we're all friends here. Uh, any of the same uh, perspectives? I have, I have some news for you um, regarding your sister. Mm. It's not good news, but it is... Perhaps um, news that will allow you some, what do they call it, closure on the matter. Hmm. We spoke to the man Laverge this morning. Hmm. It seems that he was not being entirely honest with the authorities and and with yourself regarding uh, how your your sister um, met her end. She furrows her brow. So, the truth, then. The truth. Uh, you are aware of uh, uh, Monsieur Mussolini and uh, his uh, his rise to power in uh, in Italy and his mm. uh, followers, the, the, the black shirts, I believe they call them. She nods. Uh, you see storm clouds grow, like, around her face. She has a evocative look. Uh, and so when um, 
whether it's her training as uh, in the operatics or whether it's just a natural charisma she has, she very much projects a feeling of distaste when you mention Mussolini's name. Many of my family are from Italy. I am due to return there in a few days. I, uh, I cannot tell you the bitterness I feel when you bring his name up here. Yes, I can imagine. And I can assure you that um, speaking his name gives me no pleasure whatsoever. Um, mm. However, after our conversation with Monsieur Laverge, it has become apparent that his involvement with this this movement, this these fascists, was uh, more than just a passing one. It seems that in order to be uh, accepted uh, as part of their, their cause, he was requested to perform a service for them, a service to prove his loyalty, to prove how far he would go to show that he was dedicated to uh, their not only their, their methods, but their... their uh, what is it you call it now? Um, their, their philosophy... And, and, and what did he do? Hmm? What he was asked to do was make a choice. And to make a choice between Miss Nina and the fascists. And he chose them. He chose them in the most unimaginably brutal and heartless way that I can even... I can't. I, I can't even bring myself to say the words, uh, Miss Cavallero. I'm. I'm sorry, but uh, I think. I think perhaps you know what I'm driving at. She covers her face with her hands. She seems to to crumple inward a little bit, and then she looks back up at you with her hands still over her mouth. <sighs> but you can be assured that this man will not escape justice. We have seen to that. He has confessed his crime in my presence and that of my companion here, Mr. Griffith. He has been taken into custody and he will stand trial. If I have anything to do with it, then he will hang for his crime. I believe here, perhaps more appropriately, he will face Madame Guillotine. She swallows pretty hard. And takes a couple of a couple of steadying breaths. You can see her chest heave up and down as she's trying to kind of contain whatever words that are coming to her mind. I make a, a, a motion to, to to physically steady her if if she needs it. Um, I don't want to presume to you know take her arm, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of make it clear that. You know, I, I'm I am there if she if she needs some someone to physically lean on, I'm I'm right there beside her. She holds fast. Um, you see her almost tighten back up, like to posture, and she says, "I I told Nina he was." that something in him was wrong. The family knew. That's, this is why the, the family here would not accept him. This is why they pushed him away, even though he would never say that he was with these disgusting black shirts. Someone here knew. They could, they could see it inside of him that there was something poisoning. His rot got all over her. Well, I shall tell our family what uh, the truth. They deserve to know here as well. And when I speak with my family in Italy, I will tell them as well. And then maybe, maybe I will be given a better voice there against these black shirts. I, I am so very, very sorry for your loss. I will mourn her. Is my duty and my right, but can tell you this: I will never take the stage again without 
the thought of my sister being with me. I understand. I only hope that that I have been able to offer some some s- small sense of, of of closure, and at least you now know who it was and why it was, and and that uncertainty is no longer hanging over you. You have my uh, my family will not. Uh, uh, a good man from England could, one man could do what the entire gendarme refused to do. I'm Scottish, <laughs> Miss Cavalero. I'm. My apologies. We have, uh, well, no, we 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 are a, um, we have a phrase that, uh, if a Scotsman gets gets his hand on something, uh, he can be like a dog with a bone, and uh, he will not uh. will not rest until uh, <laughs> until he's uh, he's worried it out and. Uh, Aye, we're a, we're a belligerent lot. <laughs> you get a meaningful laugh from her that seems to take some of the uh, bit of the emotion out of it. She says, uh, I will travel soon back to Italy, so please um, uh, take my thanks and uh, may your travels be uh, be wonderful in the days to come. Of course, and and I believe we will be passing through um, the north of Italy uh, as well uh, at some later stage in our uh, in our journeys. So oh. it may be that our paths will cross again. Who knows? <laughs> may the Lord make it so. Um, indeed, indeed, Mister Griffith. She doesn't give you much of an acknowledgement other than a uh, a slight nod uh, out of respect uh, from the distance you are uh, away, but you can tell that. Uh, you have earned her gratitude. And that's fine. That's how it should be. And after we leave, the only thing I'm going to say as an aside to Fraser is, in regards to what we talked about earlier, let's not mention this to the other people yet. No. No, I think that's uh, no, I think that's right. I... Okay. So I'm going to jump back to uh, a very, uh, very different um, group setting, I suppose. Uh, and that would be the group setting where uh, the professor, Lady Elizabeth, and uh, Miss Maggie are. They are uh, ferreting through some information in a Parisian asylum called Charrington. So when last we left the three of you and your uh, newfound uh, research friend, Paul, you'd, uh, you'd begun going through some of the files. This probably was, uh, you probably spent about an hour or so going through looking for references to Comte Fenelik and then uh, looking for references to this uh, supposed situation that happened uh, in hopes of finding uh, some sort of patient record of his time here. It is wearing on now to uh, just past dinner time for the three of you. Paul extends a record towards you, Martin. Ah, Thank you. Maybe check this one next. He shuffles more papers uh, to the right towards you, Maggie. There's just a, there's so many things to look through. Yes, it does seem to be like looking for a needle in a haystack. Let me have a, a, a thumb through this one here. The patient records that you're viewing are, because you're having to go into them a little bit, you are collecting a pretty large mental framework of many, many disturbed people. Uh, and sometimes the toughest part for you is seeing the notes that the attending physicians will write about them, uh, seeing what their maladies are. Some of it is a little engrossing because you're getting to learn about these people. Uh, even as you shift back and forth between the different folders, uh, the times then during the Reign of Terror are horrifying to read about. Well, I... Do you think I could stay here all day and look at these? Um, some of it is quite terrible, but it's it's one of those things you can't really look away from, can you? Yes, I I know what you mean. And anything in that pile that uh, that you have there, uh, Maggie? Um, let me see if I can make anything useful out. Is there anything useful in this pile of papers? Well, um, useful. That's a really really interesting word. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and give me a library use roll. All right. And then go ahead and give me a French roll in succession. Okay. 
Good old French. That's right. Your favorite your favorite language. Mm-hmm. Okay, well my library use roll was a little high. It was a ninety-eight against fifty-six. Oh. Okay. And my French roll uh I passed for once because <laughs> twenty-three against twenty-six. Oh, you found it. Oh, here it is. Yep. That's it. Yeah, um, if your French is correct, yeah, this this person's name that that looks like an an O, right? That's Comte, yes. <laughs> it's some of this old writing is it's just so hard to read. Ah, have, have you found something? I uh, I think I might have here. She passes it over to you and tips a box of records out. They go everywhere. Ah, <laughs> uh, let me get that for you. Oh. Th- Lady Thank E you. winces from across the room. Well, these are just strewn everywhere. Paul scratches his head. Lady Elizabeth, give me a spot roll. Okay. That is a 40 under 53. That's a success. You notice when Paul scratches his head kind of in, not maybe not shock, but just uh, another another mounting frustration. You notice that Paul's face is scratched. And it's not like a cat scratch, which are, you know, fairly close together usually. There's some width on these scratch marks. I look at him and I say in French, it's a lovely paper cut you have there. He tries to smile through it a bit and he just kind of, he raises his hand towards his face, but doesn't actually press onto it. Yes, it's uh yeah. An unfortunate uh, side effect of uh, working in these conditions sometimes. The patients, they can be um, sometimes rather unfriendly. A patient did that? Yes. He turns back to the pile that he's... He doesn't turn back, like his back to you, but he turns his attention back to the pile. Yes, there's uh, all sorts of uh, patients here that are a little unfriendly when they don't get what they want, or perhaps they're having a a bad day. Yes, I can imagine. I hope you got that looked at uh, professionally. I know all sorts of nasty things can occur from a scratch, and it looks quite deep. If you'd like, Lily Elizabeth, why don't you Mm. give me a psychology roll? Okay. My psychology went up in the improvement section, so maybe... (laughs) And yes, that is a 15 under 38. That is a hard success. You know, you get a feeling Paul's not being entirely accurate with you. Hmm. He seems uncomfortable even talking about it. So if you don't mind me asking, Paul, is this uh, something that happens fairly regularly? Oh, uh, no, thankfully, no, it, uh, it doesn't. He stands up and goes to the pile that Richard and Maggie are uh, trying to recollect and then kind of stoops down a bit and gives them a couple of pointers. Look, see, this is the, the, how we, we date them. So, uh, this one and then this one next and and kind of begins showing you the order that they go in. Thank goodness. Three years of French and it's been difficult to, uh, they do it a little differently here. Yes, it is uh, rather foreign, isn't it? Yes, interesting ways of filing things here. Have you been to the museum? Oh, the library? Oh, I, I came away with a headache after the first hour of being in the place. Nothing is sorted. I know, I mean, I, I, I work in a university. I'm a professor and uh, I, we spent hours in one of those libraries and couldn't find a, a darn thing. I think they do it for a reason. He stands back up. They have these, I don't know, research assistants there. They're helpers. And they're just a method I think the library uses to pull in more money. Now you mention it, I mean, it, it does seem, yes, I, I think you're right. It's, it's preposterous. I mean, it's a library. It's a place of learning. You'd think they would organize it. Well, absolutely, in a, in a standard way. The uh, clock rings six. You can hear it outside, the dull tones of the uh, gears and clock ringing. Paul looks up, 
We're going to be closing, so at least the public portions will be. You could always come back tomorrow if you want to ferret out a little bit more. If the records say that he was brought here, there's got to be something in the files here that'll show. It is uh, quite strange that we haven't found much yet. It is. He collects some more papers and just kind of come to the side. Are these all the records, or do you have records elsewhere? Um, well, it is getting a little late. Uh, I need to get to uh, dinner, so uh, if you don't mind, he kind of collects his articles, uh, pipe papers that he was working on initially before he stopped to help you guys. I'm sure we can talk it over. He kind of looks around. Okay, so now Richard and Maggie make me psychology rolls. Okay. Oh, a six against ten. Ooh, fancy. Uh, I didn't do so well. 67 against a 50. Richard, you get the sense that as a fellow, um, at least somewhat a man who enjoys his studies, he's uh, he's probably just a bit hungry. And, uh, you know, given that you're uh, just visiting guests, he's probably hoping that you'll shuffle off and he can get to dinner. Um, Maggie, something has spooked Paul. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it is, uh, but you can see that he's a little sweaty. Paul, you've uh, been such a good help to us. Perhaps we could, you could join us for dinner and, and we could talk more then. Oh, oh um, I mean, well, where, where would we, where would we go? Well, uh, well, you've been in Paris longer than us. So um, do you have a, a particular spot that you like? There is a cafe on the the Seine that, that they they have a, a wonderful um, a baked fish there. Um, I don't I don't know if you've had it, but but there's a there's a cafe we we could absolutely go to. He he steps closer and closer to the door. You can see his pace has quickened. Yes, well let's we can certainly get out of here, um, and then we can we can talk further uh, there out, outside of here. Yes, that that would that would would that would that would be wonderful. He steps and op- goes to open the door to the hallway. <laughs> Sounds marvelous. Yes. Feeling a bit peckish myself. All right. So the group of you head out from Charrington. And it would be forgiving of me to say that Paul was in the lead. <laughs> he sets a quick pace. And he is definitely eager to leave the grounds. He probably gets halfway from the building through the yard towards the fence line before he remembers that um, he has people with him. I would uh, probably mention to Lady Elizabeth and Richard that I get the feeling that not so good things happen here after closing hours. Yes, that's been my impression as well. He seems quite startled to, to stick around. Possibly we can get a little more information out of him outside of the grounds. Yes. He gets to the guard line where they walked you in. Mm-hmm. And the two uh, guards that are there, they get pretty close to him, like physically close. Huh. And one of them like grabs at him almost in a schoolyard sort of way. And Paul spooks and and moves left and the other one reaches for him and they kind of almost harass him off the ground. They're very physical about it. When he gets across the street, he stops and turns around. Okay. Does he seem relieved a little bit? He does, but he puts a streetlight pole between himself and the building. Hmm. Well, let's go then. If he's so anxious to get off the premises, I suppose we should be as well. Come along. The men at the gate are reasonably civil. Um, They thank you, and they uh, wish you a good evening. Good evening. Thank you very much. And I just walk off with the air of, all of this is beneath me kind of thing. (laughs) So pretty much normal. Yes. Typical. Except maybe with a little extra bravado just to 
after seeing how they were harassing Paul, just a little bit of, oh, you, you don't bother me. He waits for you, and when you step over, he, um, he nods approvingly. He seems to be taking several measured breaths to calm himself down. My word, that was some exit. Um, what on earth is going on? They were quite unpleasant to you. Are you all right? Yes, I am. I'll be. I'll be fine. He he turns to walk further away from the building. I just um, I'm not local, and so they um, they they picked on me since day one. Uh, I came to work here as a a nurse and and a, a doctor's assistant, and um, they just uh, they won't they won't stop picking on me and uh you know i i don't come from a, a family where you're taught to fight back or anything we we reason things out we have reasonable discussions and understanding and just a, i don't know they're just some type of neanderthals well forgive me for asking is, is that how you, and richard points at his face to mimic the uh, the scratch on paul's is, is that how you got your uh, your scratch was was it those bullies on the gate? No. His tone deepens when he says no, and uh, he speaks very directly to you. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about it around here, though. I only wish to uh, to to make sure a, a fellow countryman is, is is okay. I mean, if the staff are treating you poorly, I mean that's that's something that someone must attend to, surely. Uh, but uh, yes, l- later. Sorry, I I I, I apologize. You head to a cafe, which uh, overlooks or is near the Seine, and uh, it's pretty quiet overall. Um, it's still it's, it's still a bit chilly in the air, and so there just aren't as many people out having dinner. But uh, he finds a spot for you, and the four of you get collected around a table. Uh, it smells fantastic. It doesn't smell as wonderful as the previous dinner you'd had, but as the food and libations begin to arrive at the table. Paul pours himself a very a very tall glass of wine. He uh, Either he doesn't know manners either that or he's um, very interested in having a glass of wine immediately. Maggie encourages this enthusiastically. <laughs> when his drink is gone, Maggie will always ask if he would like more. I, sh- I need to, to loosen up loosen him up a little bit before we ask him a bunch of questions. The trouble started really after I arrived at the asylum. It, uh, the, the, the previous doctor, the previous administrator, was, was looking into some different techniques when it came to the treatment of patients. Are any of you familiar with uh, electroshock and the sciences of it? I've read a little bit uh, here and there. I have obviously no personal experience with it. But I've uh, read a few things. He was convinced that electroshocking of the of the nervous system could snap some patients out of a myriad of different um, maladies that they'd had. He believed he was making some some truly meaningful additions to the field, but it was difficult to deal with. Uh, the every time I assisted him in these methods. I don't. I don't know. I, I had trouble afterwards. You know, I felt so, so bad for the, the patients. I he, countless times would try to convince me that everything was okay, that everything would be just fine, that we were helping them. But I guess I was uh, harder to convince. You understand? They bring the bread. Aren't you ever tempted to, uh, to return home and get a, a, a job in a, a normal hospital? Uh, it's just the thing, Professor. It um, it isn't that easy um, for me, unfortunately. Uh, I um, g- agreed as part of the schooling because I, I couldn't I couldn't pay for proper schooling. Uh, I agreed to a, uh, a contract uh, as a as a method using that services to pay for my schooling, and that's why I'm here. I I think that's terrible. I mean, uh, it, it's possibly slightly impolite of me to ask but um, what is the sort of value of that contract? I must admit my own my own origins are rather meagre you understand um, 
and oh, quite. Um, but paying paying for school is, is not the easiest thing, and so I was I was offered uh, I was offered the option of, of halfway through my schooling of coming here and, and putting some some of my uh, uh, learning to practice. Um, it was it was really only after I got here that I realized that our our former doctor maybe Duplassé did didn't have the my best future in mind. He was more interested in making a breakthrough. Yes, I, I quite understand. And um, you can see that Richard is probably sort of connecting with a lot of what he says. And, uh, you know, there's some shared background there. Um, Richard's upbringing not being particularly uh, affluent or uh, or rich. Well, how, how much longer have you got here? Six months. Wow. Before, uh, it should just be before... Um... September and then I'll be I'll be set to go back and um, and then the next few years of schooling is all paid for and I can look forward to to what comes afterwards you'll pardon me for asking uh, Paul but uh, you said the doctor thinks that this electroshock therapy or treatment will help but you don't seem convinced what do you think it's actually doing oh I beg your pardon um, lady, I, I want to be clear. We should be clear that I believe the doctor did the therapy. Uh, de Plossé is, he's dead. He, he no longer does it. He's gone. Uh, Dr. Leroux, that's who's taken over from him, is more of, um, well, quite frankly, he's more of an administrator. He's a doctor, uh, as title suggests, but he's much more interested in, um, uh, formatting records and, uh, trying to, well, trying to put the Charrington back on a solid footing uh, publicly. Hmm, I see. Is it not easier to uh, to work there now uh, this other doctor is gone? It's easier to work for me, but I am like the um, scrap of food that was left behind at the table, you understand. Uh, with Deposé gone, I was his last assistant. And now I work under the row because he is willing to honor the contract, which I, I am grateful for. It does not change the opinion of the men at their gates. They uh, they have decided to bully me, and I just... I don't have it in me to stand up to them, not in the way that you read about in the papers or the, the men in the war, which half of them served, so... They're right. More brutes than anyone. Lady Elizabeth, this... Do, do you think we should, um... Have a word. Maybe we can um, talk to this this new administrator and and uh, see if we can reach a, an agreement or a deal. Yes, I rather think so. It's quite unacceptable behaviour. Yes, I I would t- to turn up at uh, to work every day and uh, have to endure that and and have that to look forward to on the on the way home. It's it's quite intolerable. He um nods a bit extends his empty glass back towards Maggie I I will pour some more we only lost Deposé recently it was maybe a, a week or so I say that's quite sudden uh, was was he ill no um, lifts the glass uh, a little shakily towards his mouth and then takes a, a drink he he was not what I would call um, sick sets the glass down. I had the unfortunate honor of finding him. What had happened to him? I helped him with his, his studies, yes, um, and his, um, his machinery. And I believe, although I have no firm evidence of it, I believe his electroshock machine malfunctioned because he was still holding the uh, attenuation devices when we found him. It was uh, some time before we could remove his hands from them. But what would he have been doing with them at that moment if he wasn't with a patient? Well, that's just it, lady. He he had been looking into a patient for some time. He had been studying them for months uh, in his private wing. He'd been preoccupied uh, entirely. It was difficult to pull him away from anything else. 
Even the staff had begun to notice him missing at meetings and coming in at strange hours. Dr. LaRue had me and some of the other orderlies remove the body and dismantle the machine uh, in fear that the, the, the local newspapers would find out about what happened. They fear a scandal at the, at the asylum, of course. So you understand. Do you know um, which patient this was that he was looking into? I'd, I'd glanced a box of, of records. I wonder if they're from his office. Uh, the last thing Dr. Deraplace said to me, he was leaving work. He decided to turn around and go back to his office. And the last thing he said to me was goodbye when we passed in the corridor. He mentioned that that it was in his grasp, yes? Uh, this idea that uh, he believed that e- each one of us holds a key to our whole racial memory. He said something like, in our dreams... We speak languages we have never known. And he kept swearing to me that he would find proof. Um, did he keep a journal of this or any written record anywhere? Uh, he does have records. They've been seized by Dr. LaRue. Hmm. I, I must tell you, Professor, I, I truly believe that the doctor will erase whatever he can from those records. It sounds somewhat similar to... Uh... A different approach, you understand, but somewhat similar to something that um, one of my my colleagues was was looking at. I'd be most interested to see if we could get hold of these records. Um, maybe tomorrow before they're uh, erased or destroyed. Speaking of the scratches, uh, you ask about them. A little time ago, I I found a colleague of mine, Gimot. He was in the basement, bleeding from this. W- some terrible wound. He said that one of the patients had given him. His wrist was slashed badly. No one knows. He wouldn't even tell me what, what, which patient it was. He went into recovery, and I visited him two or three times, but he couldn't tell me. He, was, he said that the, he could not remember who had done it to him. He's an inmate now at Charrington. He went from orderly and nurse to patient. His mind is gone. He takes another drink of wine. I think it's essential that we um, we have a word with the administrator tomorrow. Well, what do you think, Maggie, uh, Lady Elizabeth? I agree. I, I think we should go first thing in the morning. Perhaps we can get some stuff cleared up, but if nothing else, we can make sure that we're there, um, as you said before, those uh, boxes get destroyed. Whatever you choose to mention uh, of the my treatment. Please do not bring up the patient. Um, please do not bring up the orderly that was harmed. I, I need to be able to secure a good job. And if if they find out that I've, I've opened up about patient records, even if it was something that pertained to me, it, it could destroy my career. We will be discreet. Don't worry. Wonderful. They start bringing out the main course. Paul eats like a madman. Paul didn't say exactly how much he's getting paid, right? Mm-mm. Okay. No, it would be bad form to discuss his salary. Well, yeah, but there are two possibly altruistic people here. Money. And a uh, professor with a suitcase full of cash. <laughs> this is my only thought. I feel bad for Paul. Absolutely. I think we should buy buy um, buy this contract. I, that's what I was yeah. thinking. <laughs> you guys have a wonderful meal. The food is good. It's uh, another fine French dinner. And uh, Paul tells you that he will be at Charrington at 7 a.m. sharp. And he tells you that he can get in uh, about an hour or so before it's open to any sort of visitors because he's a member of staff. Mm -hmm. And that if he comes in early, usually the guards are still a little bit hungover from the previous night and they don't bother him too much. Well, he's at maximum liquored up. (laughs) <laughs> Paul, I was uh, just um, curious about the uh, what is the the cost of one's education? How much are you contracting them for? If you don't mind me asking, I know it might seem impolite, but um, this is you know, my first time traveling the world, and and I like to learn these things. Well, the last two years of my schooling, uh, when I head back, will be about two hundred pounds, and that doesn't associate any of the cost of 
lodgings or books or... Hmm. Of course, that's, yes, um, quite interesting. Thank you for sharing that information with me. I'm sure this administrator, this this LaRue, might be interested in um, uh, a negotiation if he's keen to move on from uh, uh, this this previous doctor's um, experiences and uh, is keen to um, maybe move on members of staff that used to know him and uh, and was uh, familiar with his research. Then, then perhaps we can find a way to persuade him to... Uh, encourage you to find other employment but um, still keep the benefits of your contract in place if if, if that makes sense I would say this that um, Dr. Rowe is um, a man of business as well as a man of medicine yes that's good whatever he feels is best for the overall administration up to and including um, throwing out visitors he does not like tread carefully yes you, you, you make a fair point all right, then. After dinner finishes, a, uh, a well-liquored Paul um, extends his gratitude to the three of you and um, probably stumbles a bit <laughs> out of the out of the restaurant. I call him a cab because I don't want him walking home in this condition. <laughs> he thanks you again and thanks someone to the right of you, even though no one is there. <laughs> um is is able to get into the cab, luckily, uh, before being whisked away. Well, Miss Bellinger, I think you've missed your vocation. You should have gone into the priesthood. You seem to have a knack for getting confessions out of people. I'll have to start calling you Father Maggie. <laughs> I I do have a magic serum for that. I would assume then the three of you are going to head back to Hotel Bristol when you're uh, all wrapped up. Yeah, I think so. Sounds about right. And we can pull in uh, the other, uh, unless uh, Mr. Fraser or Mr. Griffin were uh, deciding to do something else with the rest of their night, I had assumed they would head back to the hotel as well. That's what I was thinking as well, unless unless Griff would like to take us in a different direction. All right, so we'll say that the um, five of you return to uh, the Bristol and um, we'll plop you into the lobby or uh, cafe eatery area because I assume that Mr. Fraser and uh, and uh, Mr. Griffin are going to need an actual meal after all that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Worked up an appetite today. Hmm. Hey, Jim, uh, what, what are you in the mood for? Are we going to eat by ourselves or are we going to wait for the others? Um, well, I'm... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how long they're, they're going to be, and I am somewhat peckish. Uh, what say we eat now, and uh, and then we can catch up with the others later? Sounds like a plan. Are we going to go out tonight and do anything? I, I wasn't considering doing so, and no. I think I had quite enough excitement for one day. You sure? Did you have something in mind? I don't know. We were talking about Montmartre, remember? Checking oh, it out during the nighttime. Yes. I mean, we could, we could stroll it as a, a pair of young punks. Well, not so young punks, if you will. <laughs> My young punk days are well behind me. Yes, why not? Why not? Let's let's have a stroll up Montmartre. The two of you have your stroll. It is brisk tonight, for sure. There's uh, something about Paris in the evening that is unlike any other city you've been to. Now, the benefit the two of you have is you've both been to Paris before. And so there is a strange rekindling of having served here, or at least passed through here while serving during the war. The city has definitely recovered from the war in certain parts, but some wounds were deeper than others. Uh, Some of those trace their lines around the buildings that are still here. Uh, And while maybe a fresh coat of paint has been applied or there has been stonework done, uh, it's still fairly easy to see where it's ravaged by a war. And this, of course, wouldn't have been the first war to ravage Paris, but it's quite the stroll. It is a great bookend to the evening. So Maggie, uh, Professor, and um, Lady Elizabeth, you return to the hotel. You find the staff there 
more than ready to get you whatever you might need. Um, they do afford you uh, all the proper social graces and uh, ask if there's any sort of uh, nightcaps or, or drinks that they can provide you. Maggie probably would order a nightcap. Yes, that's a, a splendid idea. Lady Elizabeth, are you heading back upstairs or are you going to sit down here with the, your uh, compatriots? I'll sit down with them for a little bit, have my evening nightcap before I go to bed. Maybe talk about a plan for the, for the morning's uh, activities. Wonderful. Also, Maggie and uh, the professor need a chaperone. It's not appropriate for them to be <laughs> there by themselves. <laughs> oh, well, this, is, <laughs> this, this is Paris, right? I mean, prisons are a little bit more flexible as far as uh, social situations than, say, the uh, upper crust of English society. Yes, but I am the upper crust of English society, Michael. Yes, no, I, I trust me, I'm well aware. <laughs> you have your nightcap. Maggie, you can tell that uh, Lady Elizabeth is, is doing her best to to hang on to the social graces of whatever this group may still have left of it. Yeah. But even she tires. You figure if you just give it a few more minutes, you can probably wait her out. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad that she's here uh, for a little bit because uh, Maggie would maybe take this opportunity to um, talk to them about how they felt about... Um, Paul's treatment and um, ask um, well it, it seems like that boy could use some of our help and I certainly hate leaving him in that place for longer with the treatment that he's getting and I fear that us messing around in that business is only going to draw attention to him more yes I quite agree I I mean, they've lost their uh, their doctor, their their previous administrator. One of the orderlies is now a, what, a patient, and I can imagine he's going to end up the same way, or, or worse. Yes, I quite agree. If we can finagle a way to get him out of that dreadful situation, seems like a nice young lad. Yes, perhaps the new administrator... Though honoring his contract uh, maybe isn't as eager to have him around, um, perhaps uh, there would be the possibility for us to buy out his contract and um, take some of his services for ourselves while we're here. I wouldn't um, want Paul to feel like he is a charity case, but uh, perhaps we could make use of him for a little while. Ah, like a, a research assistant, that kind of thing. Yes, well, and I've been wondering what it'd be like to have my own Mr. Fraser. There's no one like Mr. Fraser, but I suppose you could have sort of the beta version. I don't doubt that. But but perhaps it would be nice to have someone um, to help us while we're here. We can only be in so many places at one time, and um, it seems like Paul's French uh, may be a, a little bit better than some of ours. Some of ours, yes. Mine, specifically. Thank you for the clarification. Well, what do you propose then? Should we go straight to the administrator with this uh, particular proposal? Would you, uh, since this is your suggestion, discuss it with the young man before he suddenly finds himself working for you? I don't think that Paul would be opposed to it. You saw how fast he ran for the front gate when we were leaving today. Um, but it, it may uh, take some talking. I, I don't think we should bring it up right away, but if, it, if, if we could slip it in during the course of conversation, I, I don't think uh, that would be a bad thing. I think we should find these records first. I, I wouldn't want to uh, get, get ejected um, before we've finished our, our work, but I mean, I, I, I think certainly soon after we should, um, yes, yes, go and talk to the administrator. Maggie, you're fairly certain you saw the box of records there, Dr. Duplass's. Mm. Yeah, you're fairly certain that there's a box with the former doctor's name on it in the secretary's office. It's probably just waiting to be thrown out or destroyed. Yes. I did see the 
the box um, of the of the doctor's um, notes, and um, perhaps uh, Paul could could fetch it for us if we're not able to to get in for it ourselves. Also a good idea. So we get these uh, particular records, and then we see about getting Paul a new job, and should be happy all around, I think. Yes, I think that plan would would suit all parties. Yes, quite. Excellent. Well, if there's nothing else, I trust the two of you won't be getting up to too many shenanigans at this time of night. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to go turn in a little early, I think. If uh, Mr. Fraser comes back, tell him not to worry. And I will see you all in the morning, assuming you haven't run off and gotten yourselves murdered. Please don't. We will certainly try not to. Uh, Richard gets up and politely uh, says, Oh, good, good evening. And Maggie will say good night. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Do try to behave. And she sort of shakes her head slowly as if she knows <laughs> that what she's saying is not going to be what actually happens. Uh, and takes her way off to her room and her beloved bed. <laughs> It is a very nice bed that they've gotten you here. They've done a very a very good job at the amenities of this this hotel. One does love an early bedtime. Alone. <laughs> so with um with Lady Elizabeth uh, leaving for bed, the two of you stay up for a bit then? Uh probably a bit. Uh the thought of breaking into the Louvre uh for Richard did not uh not cross Maggie's mind. <laughs> Uh, but breaking and entering two nights in a row might be a little too much. The two of you have another drink and get a, a bit of air. Um, the evening, even as um, slightly crisp as it is, is a little freeing in the sense that well, there isn't some horrifying thing going on around you. And there isn't, you haven't found any dead bodies yet, Richard. So, so far, Paris has been. Uh, a plus in that regard and the only body you found talked back to you which was great (laughs) but it isn't too many more minutes before uh, you see Mr. Fraser and uh, Mr. Griffin coming back from somewhere as they head back towards the Bristol I do believe that's our uh, our fellow travelling companions Maggie perhaps we should um see what they got up to tonight and share our news with them Uh, nothing much I'm sure (laughs) we might have even possibly stopped off in a in a bar on the way on the way back for a a (laughs) they're laughing as they approach (laughs) my guess is stumbling yes had a pint (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Fraser Mr. Griffith hello oh a spellinger Hello, hello, and uh, Professor Courtney. Yes, good evening. Evening, Miss Maggie, Professor. You're all not getting up to anything, are you? Um, I believe we're, uh, uh, we have finished getting up to things for the day. What things were you getting up to during the course of the day, then? Well, we had an exciting uh, trip to the asylum today. It's on the list of things to do, apparently. And they let you back out. They did, yes. I was as shocked as you are. Just visiting, then. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. Taking a tour of the grounds. Well, we went to go uh, research the Comte. Comte. Um, We had uh, found some information indicating uh, that he was a patient there. And so we were looking for some records. Oh, I see. And uh, how did you get on? Well... We're still looking. It's um, the, the, using a some sort of French system of filing. It's most confusing, isn't it, Maggie? Yes, the French system is quite confusing. Ah, I see. So, uh, are you returning tomorrow to do more research? Then or... we are returning tomorrow first thing in the morning. Yes, um, to do some research, um, and and possibly a little bit more. We. There seems to be some strange goings on at the uh, asylum, and we want to look into it a, a little bit more. Oh, 
really? Uh, strange, strange in what way? Uh, well, the previous ad administrator seems to have died under strange circumstances in his office one night. Um, oh, he was researching electroshock, and um, it sounds like he became quite engrossed in his work, and he died of electrocution? Really? Is, is, is foul play suspected? Um, I'm not sure about foul play, though that did cross my mind, possibly the previous administrator, but I'm, I'm not sure. Um, we're going to go poke around a little bit more tomorrow. Um, we did make a new uh, acquaintance um, and we may try to help him out as as well. He's working there right now uh, to pay his, for his schooling, but it, it's not the best environment for any sane person, I think. I'll flash a little look um, across at uh, Simon as well. Do you uh, do you want any assistance tomorrow? Can uh, Mr. Griffith or I uh, help at all? Well, either or both of you would of course be welcome to join us. I'm not sure if you had plans tomorrow. I, I know that you were attending to your own business while we've been here. It was a pretty uneventful day. Just a, a little a little sightseeing. Yeah, I think tomorrow would be fine. Um, perhaps we should get there earlier. We can look around. I'll uh, look over um, to Richard and say... It, it might be uh, nice for us to have the gentleman um, with us. Yes, after seeing those, um, I, I don't know what you call them, doormen, orderlies, thugs. Um, yes, I, I think it would be a, a splendid idea. Maggie, Richard, and Lady Elizabeth will be returning with their own muscle tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be bringing our own thugs. <laughs> I resemble that remark. <laughs> Not a thug. <laughs> I'm a precision instrument. <laughs> Not in your current state, I don't. <laughs> so we'll we'll leave this session right there. We'll tuck you all into bed and then return uh, to everybody's favorite place, another asylum. Uh, in the next episode. So thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Horror on the Orient Express. We can't wait to get to the next one. So everyone out there, stay safe and uh, thank you for your time. Mm -hmm.